spent close to 25 years working in various roles and various sectors as well right what are the some of the top experiences that have shaped your approach to business and leadership today this is actually my 25th year running so uh, congratulations podcast my best wishes yeah thank you my best wishes to all my batchmates from every stream who graduated in 98 and started working so 98 to 23 it's a long journey 25 years of uh, working in the field in various uh, locations various situations so yes that has been a long journey very fruitful very enjoying uh, full of challenges trials tribulations success happiness sorrow everything you know 25 years is a long enough time to enjoy uh, or to go through every uh, emotion possible what i think uh, some of the important features or some of the important points which would have shaped a uh, shaped or which uh, i wish to share with people in general see uh, in the beginning you have to learn everything you cannot be choosy you cannot be uh, saying that this is not my job i would not do this job well uh, even uh, when i started working you know the computers were uh, very far and few in between so lots of our work was uh, manual we used to write letters we used to uh, write memos and what not in fact uh, i don't know if many of uh, today's generation would even relate with uh, writing telex sending fax <laughs> getting message on the pager we have been through all these things so we have seen that technology changing in our hand right from nothing to pager to mobile phones and then uh, to life uh, 24 hours uh, 24 by 7 with the gadgets so right from just a mobile phone to a gprs to a 3g the luxury segment has boomed like crazy in the last 2 3 years in india with growing disposable incomes and varied interest but the luxury bikes industry and the ducati is a different beast altogether so how has ducati been able to maintain and build the high standards of quality and performance for a century now how ducati builds technology what does it mean to lead a highly reputed brand like ducati today we are talking to people chandra he is an automobile veteran and one of the top voices in this space he is the md of ducati india let's jump right into the discussion and listen till the end and let me know what you agree or disagree with hey people uh welcome to the podcast thank you so i want to probably set up the first 5 10 minutes as a master class on building and leading in a luxury segment hai na could you walk us through the process and mindset of creating a luxury two wheeler that upholds the brand value of ducati that's a very interesting question actually and see for ducati i would say we have got four brand pillars style sophistication performance and trust so whenever we talk about anything with respect to ducati we need to keep these four pillars in mind and that's how our entire lives are revolving around these four pillars so style i am sure you will agree that being an italian brand there is no dearth of style so uh, we definitely make one of the most beautiful cool looking kind of automobiles and bikes in particular so that's always there sophistication is something which i believe uh, how we uh, 
manage uh, how we build relationships how we keep on uh, investing in the relationship with our riders our community everything so the way we uh, handle all those situations performance i think uh, ducati needs no introduction as far as performance is needed we are definitely on the top of this game and trust is something which we have gained over these many years in fact very uh, in very recent future we shall be completing 100 years of the existence of ducati so i think mm-hmm. these uh, these four pillars are the core brand values through which our lives evolve and on the basis of these things we have our relationship with our uh, riders which we lovingly call ducati team and then uh, one very important part is you have to actually live like them it is not that you have to uh, be very luxurious that's not the idea you have to feel like a rider so whenever we talk we 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 talk in a way that we are always on the same platform we understand what a rider is trying to convey to us we understand what kind of feedback he is trying to give to us we understand what he feels when he is riding through those moments whether on the track or whether on a uh, off-roading section or uh, whether he is simply uh, doing a touring kind of riding so uh, this is the kind of uh, you know mutual connect we have with our riders and that's that's being on the same platform as our riders understanding them very clearly uh, understanding the subtle hints and the nuances what a rider wishes to give to us that is probably i believe is one of the very important factor of having a very successful luxury brand out there in the market in our business in our life uh, the our riders our ducatisti uh, probably they they would not convey everything in a verbal uh, way so we have to understand the non verbal cues uh, if they simply say that well at that turn you know the bike was not confident enough so you need to understand what turn he is talking about and what his feelings would be regarding the bike not being so confident or if he says at that turn the bike was supremely best L- let us use that kind of superlative words so if he says something like that you need to understand what kind of feeling he would be getting so this is something we need to understand we need to uh, behave in that certain fashion and i believe that is how uh, we have a very successful relationship with our riders Uh, which have been continuing for so many years and i presume i wish that it will keep on continuing in and getting stronger over the years in the in the years to come in the future i think over time what i have realized is that most of the brands that have lasted as long as say ducati has which is almost 100 years now uh have a massive customer obsession uh funda behind running behind the scene right uh running in their jeans and running in their entire teams uh but he also mentioned that uh, there are tons and tons of bikes that you guys produce you talked talked about uh, cruising a bit you talked about uh, off roading what are the kind of bikes that uh, ducati produces today okay so i will give the answer in a moment uh, you used the word uh, customer obsession so our obsession has gone to a level that we no longer call our riders as customers because it becomes or it has become too transactional so for us our riders are like our families so we rather love to call them as our riders our clients our ducati ste but nothing like a customer because then it's a very transactional kind of relationship you have with your family members so moving forth uh, ducati is one of those companies wherein we have our bikes almost in every segment 
there are yes there are a couple of segments which we don't have or uh, we may have in future uh, see we are uh, an engineering company i love to say that way so i never say no to any kind of business proposition so uh, as of today uh, if i start um, from my bike build up in india and uh, i'm very happy to say whatever bike we build and sell uh, globally that we sell in india as well uh, as far as the if the homologation is uh, getting approved we will sell that bike in india as well so uh, we start our range in india from uh, our retro classic bikes called the scrambler family scrambler ducati from then uh, we move on to nakeds that is monster from then uh, we have uh, another uh, uh, naked that is street fighter v2 then we have a super naked street fighter v4 uh, we have a uh, dual bike in multi v2 we have a dual bike in multi v4 then we have a sports tourer super sport then we have a super bike called panigale v2 and panigale v4 and we have a cruiser diavel and xtr so we have lots of bike whatever you can think of we are there in that segment so whether it is a dual whether it is super bike whether it is uh, and i missed our latest offering desert x which is in the offroading category so whether you have offroading whether you have retro whether you have naked super naked fared super bikes you think of the category and we are there so what are the uh, we are one of the rare companies uh, which have presence in almost every segment and, and what are the kind of price ranges for this bike because ducati is also uh, said to have produced some of the most expensive bikes as well what would be the price ranges for these bikes see as of today our price starts almost from uh, a million of rupees about 10 lakh rupees and then uh, currently uh, the bikes which we have in india at, at present uh, the bike price goes up to 45 to 50 lakh rupees ex showroom however uh, we will be getting couple of bikes in uh, in the second half of the year uh, which will be costing you almost about 70 to 80 lakh rupees and our costliest bike till date has been uh, sold at about uh, uh, 1.25 cr so that is the range of bikes we make almost from a million to uh, 10 million kind of uh, extra price so i've not never been a, a bike rider i would say i would have loved to be but unfortunately never got the chance to uh, but i want to get into the probably psychology of someone who's buying such an expensive bike what drives people what do you think drives people into buying ducatis of the world and then uh, well, because these bikes are like crazy expensive you get the most most expensive cars in the similar ranges right uh, so what what what's the psychology behind someone who's trying to get a ducati today yeah so yeah i want want to understand basically ki, okay, what what what's the psychology so, uh, of the first of all pratesh there is uh, never too late for anything so you are always welcome to uh, come to our some of our uh, riding events and you can always enjoy riding and this is something it's like uh, once you start riding you can never let it let go of it so uh, either you are there into riding or you are not there into riding there cannot be any midway well i love riding but i know you know so there is nothing like that either you are there or you are not there so yes i would invite you Uh, to join us on some of the events and i'm sure you are going to fall madly in love with riding that's something very 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 potent medication for anything i would say 
<laughs> and coming back to uh, why people go into writing see there are uh, two uh, two lines i would speak as far as this is concerned first uh, this i love to say in these uh, these many words see for a normal commuter bike a bike is a bike it is an automobile or a machine which you use to move from point a to point b but when you talk about bikes like ducatis they are no longer a bike or a motorcycle or a machine that's it they are as we were discussing the kind of bikes we have so they are like naked they are like super bikes they are like dual uh, bikes they are like retro something of that nature so uh, the riders they everyone has a different riding style and the riders they love to have their bikes as per their riding lives uh, riding uh, styles and likings so it is not that i i'll go to the ducati showroom and i'll buy any bike no it does not happen that way so if i have my interest let us say in a track riding if i enjoy that kind of speed if i enjoy that kind of uh, environment then i'm sure i'll be buying uh, let us say a panigale however are you still there yeah yeah however if i if i am an outdoor person i i love to go to the uh, touring kind of thing i like to let us say i love to go and uh, enjoy the ridings up to leh ladakh or spiti or uh, tawang valley or something of that nature or uh, go towards kurg uh, in the south or have a ride between uh, let us say bangalore to goa kind of thing in that case most likely i shall be uh, willing to buy a mighty strata kind of thing again uh, i enjoy my bike riding too much and probably i would never let go of the bike and but i uh, like a bike which is uh you know uh, very easy to handle even during the city traffic so probably i would love to get um, a scrambler or a monster so it all depends on the uh, liking and riding style of the person concerned and then he wishes to decide which bike to be uh, purchased and and that's how uh, and rather not that's how probably that's why it becomes very important for us to extend the uh, test drive to our uh, potential riders in the right frame of situation in the right environment so many times what happens uh, many people who wish to buy a panigale but they are not very sure of the uh, riding we uh, provide them the test drive or test ride as we say at the track uh, uh, for example buddha circuit in the delhi or a chennai track in uh, down south so that the person concerned he can understand whether he is comfortable with this kind of riding style or not whether he is comfortable with this kind of biking or not many times uh, we allow some of the potential riders to join us on the uh, long term ridings let's say we are going up to spiti or somewhere other so uh, the people can join us there and then they know whether this kind of riding is enjoyable for them or not and that's how uh, we let the riders decide which bike is suitable for them rather than we pressurizing them into buying something which we feel is good for them that's not the idea so so we never sell any bike as such we uh, love to get into a discussion we love to get into a uh, mutually agreeable idea about which bike is the best suitable fit for the rider concerned that's right i think uh, from the little bit research that i happen to do i realize that 
what you what are you saying i just i happen to come up on multiple articles on the same that most of the ducatis they ride very differently and uh, they would depend upon the use case and they would they would have a very different you would have a di- very different experience riding different bikes that's what i i have also come to realize but i want to come back a little to your experience uh, you have spent close to 25 years working in various roles and various sectors as well right what are the some of the top experiences that have shaped your approach to business and leadership today this is actually my 25th year running so uh, congratulations podcast my best wishes yeah thank you my best wishes to all my batchmates from every stream who graduated in 98 and started working so 98 to 23 it's a long journey 25 years of uh, working in the field in various uh, locations various situations so yes that has been a long journey very fruitful very enjoying uh, full of challenges trials tribulations success happiness sorrow everything you know 25 years is a long enough time to enjoy uh, or to go through every uh, emotion possible what i think uh, some of the important features or some of the important points which would have shaped a uh, shaped or which uh, i wish to share with people in general see uh, in the beginning you have to learn everything you cannot be choosy you cannot be uh, saying that this is not my job i would not do this job well uh, even uh, when i started working you know the computers were uh, very far and few in between so lots of our work was uh, manual we used to write letters we used to uh, write memos and what not in fact uh, um, i don't know if many of uh, today's generation would even relate with uh, writing telex sending fax <laughs> getting message on the pager we have been through all these things so we have seen that technology changing in our hand right from nothing to pager to mobile phones and then uh, to life uh, 24 hours uh, 24 by 7 with the gadgets so right from just a mobile phone to a gprs to a 3g 4g what not we have seen everything I, i would say that way probably our generation is very lucky to have seen everything so uh, i think you need to learn everything whatever comes in your way that is a very very basic requirement of sustaining in the in the market for a longer run because at at the later stage of the uh, career probably you will not have the freedom or the time to learn many basic things which you could have learned so uh, without feeling that this may not be my job you have to have a very positive approach about learning things then uh, again one uh, probably in my career i would say uh, one very important thing which uh, which has helped me is uh, accepting uh, challenges by way of transfers so i have lived in uh, many cities of the country in fact i think i would have been uh, transferred till now i would have been transferred almost 16 17 times in my career and i think that's a very important part because then i got the opportunity and chance to live in various cities of the country i got to know the culture i i would not say i i can speak many languages because i never tried to learn them uh, but yes uh, i got to uh, listen to people talking in their local vernacular languages and probably that was a very uh, new thing for me i got to see so many cultures 
I have traveled extensively across the country because of the job and it's not only me but uh, many people like me in my kind of profile they would have done the same thing and I think this is why many of these people are successful today because they embraced these challenges uh, with open mind. So it was never the idea, I will not go to that location, I will not take the transfer, I have a family problem, my wife has a job, my kid is studying, somewhere or the other, you need to embrace these things with a very open mind, you need to take up these challenges with a very open mind and later on you get to understand that well I did the right thing. So my uh, problem, my average was one and a half years in a city. Every one and a half, two years, I used to get transferred. I I think uh, it is only after almost uh, 17, 18 years, I started living in a city where I could complete three uninterrupted years in the same city. And which city was that? This is the Gurgaon now, after 2016. <laughs> okay. Even in fact, no, not after 2016. It is after 2019, I would say that I could spend in Gurgaon three uninterrupted years. I have been working since 98 and probably uh, either it was uh, three years at a stretch, I don't think. So the world it is has... only since 2019 that I have been living in Gurgaon without any interruption now. So you can understand after 21 years of service, I got to live three straight years in the city. And I, and I think that's a big testimony for many people like me who would have done the same thing. So it is not about listening to your bosses, but it is about embracing that challenge that yes, I can. I think learning remains a common thread uh, across ages and across generations. Uh, but uh, since we're talking about technology, can you discuss the role of technology and innovation in the development of Ducati bikes, right? Motorcycles and how these factors contribute to the brand success? Because there is a lot of technology in Ducati. That's, that's something that I can tell right from the outset. Yes. See, for us, uh, technology is probably one of the uh, basic minimum or I would say hygiene factors. Uh, without technology, there cannot be Ducati. And we try to uh, give the latest, the best kind of technology to our riders. Uh, it's a common fact, common knowledge that uh, most of our uh, technologies, uh, first we try at the MotoGP level which is the most extreme form of uh, tech uses. And uh, afterwards, uh, we try to give the same thing to our riders in general, to a larger population who wish to uh, enjoy their riding, their uh, enjoy their bikes, but probably they are not at that competitive or the pro level kind of thing. So uh, that, that definitely calls for a team full of engineers, R&D team and uh, uh, who are not only is very, very solid on the tech side, but very, very imaginative, very creative to think of something which probably may not be uh, passing through, passing across uh, normal people like you and me, but they can think of, well, okay, this is something which can be uh, utilized probably let's say in two, three, four years time, five years time. And uh, imagining those things, putting them into real machines, and then finally bringing down that technology to the normal rider at the uh, mass level. So I think this proliferation of technology from the most pro level to the uh, mass level at uh, at our uh, organization or any of these big bikes, I think that is something very important and we are there. 
we have used so many technologies in our bikes. There are so many technologies that uh, normal people can't even think of. So uh, I think this will become too technical if I start talking about what we have. But uh, uh, I, I can tell you that this is something which which we take immense pride on on keeping our bikes full of tech. Uh, we we have uh, uh, immense pride on our team of engineers, and uh, it is definitely a matter of uh, achievement, a sense of achievement that we have been able to bring down those uh, very very high end tech from the pro level to the uh, rider level at the market. So I think it's a very serious uh, and, and a good work from our side. Tupul, I remember you saying that uh, probably Ducati as a bike has uh, more technology per square inch than any other automobile or any other engine out there today, yes. right? Because obviously space constraints. I would want to understand, like, uh, because um, so for someone like me, uh, someone very na- naive like me, uh, we don't typically understand the technology that probably what we understand is uh, the 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 outcome of the technology that we are okay we enjoy what's uh, what's there right but we don't exactly understand what's going into it right can you like go a little deeper maybe it's it might be a little technical but yeah see when i talk of uh, per square inch uh, see in in a four wheeler when you talk of a four wheeler <clears throat> giving you lots of tech then uh, they have the luxury of space you have a larger body, a larger chassis, you have a larger uh, cab and you can put in so many things. You, uh, if, if we talk of the screen on the dashboard, you have a, a large dashboard wherein you can have a screen uh, from a couple of inches to a couple of feet also. So you can have a screen worth, let us say, four or five inches and you can have a screen in front of the driver, let us say, of two feet. And today, in uh, high-end cars, uh, the two feet kind of uh, screens are becoming norm. You have all the whatnot kind of information available at your fingertips. They have become touchscreen and uh, they have really gone very high-tech. However, uh, for us in the two-wheeler world, the area available is very, very limited. So now you think uh, a mid-size luxury car, I would say, let's not name any brand or any model but a mid-size luxury car having a 180, 190, 200 HP kind of power delivery becomes a real big engine. And for that, you require a lot many space in the un, under the hood. For me, in my multi-strider, there is the same 170 bhp engine. For my Panigale, there is a 208 bhp engine within the same confines of a motorcycle. Now you can understand when I say that probably my bike has got more tech per square inch because we have a real, real uh, scarcity of space and we have to have everything within that space itself. So the innovation is not putting in something. The innovation also into putting the same kind of tech within that given area. Mm -hmm. So a bike also has an ABS and a car also has an ABS. But you need to maintain everything within the similar kind of space what we have in the bikes. And that's why our job becomes much more challenging than any other uh, automobile I would say. I think uh, that's interesting. Uh, But I would want to understand some insights on the unique aspects of the luxury car and the bike sales industry, right? 
and what are the kind of strategies that are employed to engage and attract customers in this, this in this niche market come again i i missed the first part i wanted to understand uh, some insights on the unique aspects of luxury car bike sales industry and what are the kind of strategies that are uh, there to engage and attract the customers in these some, market, some insights this on which aspect on, on on the unique aspects of the whole luxury segment no, no, right okay okay see uh, when we talk of unique aspect of luxury market again it is not about selling something which is very costly when we talk of the unique aspect it is about experiences of selling that thing so uh, when we talk of the bikes in our segment it is how our riders enjoy their bikes in the right perspective in the right environment so uh, for a bike like uh, panigale family the panigale is not something which can just be ridden on any road it definitely requires uh, a proper race track kind of setting now uh, india has a very limited uh, race track kind of thing in fact we got just uh, one uh, real moto gp kind of or uh, f1 kind of uh, track here in uh, greater noida so mm-hmm. what we do uh, if our riders they have to enjoy the riding in the real perspective where would they go so we organize something called a ducati ride experience track days wherein uh, we keep on taking the riders to overseas location as well so like last year we had gone to uh, bira and chang circuit in uh, thailand this year we are going to sepang and most likely some of the riders they may even go to philip island in australia in later part of the year uh, again for a multi strada kind of bike or a multi strada scrambler these kind of bikes if a rider has to enjoy a long touring kind of thing uh, probably having an, a single riding or solo riding can be daunting for many of the riders so what do we do from ducati india side we plan uh, dre dream tours wherein we curate the tours and we take the riders to various exotic locations uh, till now we have gone to spiti leh ladakh rajasthan uh, to northeast tawang in south also we have gone to very many locations so this is how we curate the rides for our uh, riders so that they can enjoy the bikes in the right uh, environment again uh, probably every rider does not know everything or every riding style so we organize uh, let us say to put it very lightly we organize classes for them so for example if you if you wish to ride if you wish to know how to ride an off road uh, biking then uh, probably we have classes for them we actually tell them how to ride in various uh, situations and circumstances uh very basic things like how to lift a fallen bike what to mm-hmm. do if you get stuck in certain situations so this is how we make the entire experience of riding very enjoyable uh, very uh, what you can say uh, important for the riders uh, entire uh, riding style and riding life as such so that it does not become monotonous that it's just a bike and i need to take the bike and i need to start riding no it you our endeavor is to ensure that the bike and the rider they start feeling as one and that's that's uh, something which will come only if you are in with the right group in the right frame of mind within the right kind of riding uh, uh, environment 
So this is what we provide to our riders and probably this is where uh, Ducati is uh, different from many other brands. That's interesting. That is something that is, I'm hearing for the first time. And those kind of customer experience stories are probably not uh, so common in the in a lot of industries today. I think that that is a very rare uh, customer experience story. Uh, but I, but yeah, there was a pandemic uh, two three years back uh, that impacted the entire entire industry, not just uh, uh, Ducati, not just luxury bikes. But how did that impact impact your business and the luxury bike business in general? In fact, I would say a pandemic had a, a very different kind of outcome for most of the luxury uh, uh, automobile companies. Uh, when the pandemic hit all of us, it was definitely a case of the uh, entire country going shut. Our businesses were definitely shut and that was the time when we had the BS4 to BS6 transition as well. So it was definitely a very tougher period for all of us across the industry, I would say. Why only to party? However, when we started opening, the country started opening, then uh, probably the feeling within the riders community was, let us not waste even a single day now. So for us, the uh, market opened up very well. The riders started coming to us in a big way. And uh, we had a, a pretty good uh, riding season. We had a pretty good selling season, I would say. Uh, in fact, even till today, some of our bikes are on uh, waiting period, if not all, which was definitely the case till a uh, couple of months ago that almost every bike was on a waiting period. Uh, we were yeah. also having certain issues with the uh, logistics part, with the chip issue, with the supply ships, everything. So uh, there was a very huge demand and there was a uh, supply chain issue. So uh, that the waiting period was quite high. Now we have also tried to work from our side. So we have made the supply chains, uh, logistics much, much smoother. And uh, the customers are also now uh, in a way that uh, the demand has got uh, rationalized. So uh, I would say that uh, the reaction from the riders was very, very good. Uh, the reaction from the market was uh, actually overwhelming. And probably the thought process that let me enjoy my time till the time I can, it was uh, all pervasive. So I understand going by the numbers also for the automobile industry, I would say for a luxury four-wheeler or two-wheeler, probably last two, three years have been very, very good. And Ducati is no exception to that. So we have had some far uh, uh, better period in past, uh, in recent past. I think uh, the, like I said, uh, let me live while we can. Uh, that has impacted a lot of, a uh, lot of industries uh, that have yes. given a lot of boost to tourism also in the, uh last few years post pandemic and uh, i think it's interesting to see that uh, it had a major impact in the luxury segment itself and you but you don't come from a uh, say tech background as such right uh, you don't come from a uh, say a technical skill sets uh, that probably i don't know that a lot of technology goes into ducati right but you have been in leadership position in multiple companies uh, where technology and R&D played a huge, huge role. How did you mold yourself into these roles? And what are the important points that are there in your playbook? See, I don't come from a theoretical tech background. That's correct. So uh, that, that you can say. However, I definitely come from a, a science background. So I have a natural affinity to understand the scientific terms. I have a natural affinity to 
uh, understand what is being said in terms of the technology for the bike or the for the car. So, and, and it's a matter of personal interest as well. Uh, I love riding. So whether I have been uh, with a four-wheeler company or a two-wheeler company, I enjoyed my riding days. Uh, in fact, I after joining Ducati, I started riding on track. I started riding on uh, uh, roads. So I have done, uh, till now I have already done uh, almost, uh, because I will say Buddha's, uh, Buddha circuit is almost a MotoGP track. So Buddha circuit, I have done Chang, I have done Misano. So I have already done almost three MotoGP tracks. Uh, I have done Spiti. So this is something which because of my affinity towards riding, I did all these things. And the same thing goes for technology. So as I can understand what is being said or what has been written. So I try to learn those things. I spend my time. Uh, even today, I spend uh, some time in learning new things on almost on a daily basis whether it is through my colleagues, through through my company training programs or through YouTube videos, from wherever I can, I try to understand and learn uh, the tech part. So I may not be an expert. I may not take up tools and uh, start building an engine in the workshop, but at least I know that, okay, uh, what kind of part an, uh, an engine component may play or what kind of part uh, certain features of the bike may play or how to handle those parts or how to handle those technologies. So something or the other, well, you have very rightly said, I don't come from a theoretically tech background and probably I cannot handle those texts in the uh, biggest way possible, but okay. Uh, I, I know as much that I can take care of my day-to-day uh, -day life. Hmm. And, uh, and you have been uh, like a, a career salesperson, right? Uh, with 25 years of almost 25 years of experience now, uh, what would be your key top five learnings takeaways from 20 plus years of business and 25 years of in general uh, business and leadership today? Yeah. Uh, difficult to say top five. <laughs> Never thought that way. Uh, but yes, uh, some of the things, as I, as I said in the very beginning, that uh, first you have to approach a problem in a very scientific way. You, and you cannot say that I will not um, try to learn this thing or I will not try to do that job kind of thing. So once you, you approach any situation with an open mind, it gives you a natural edge to go up to the bottom of the situation. So those things, why, what, when, how, that kind of theoretical and good to hear kind of information, uh, the internet gyan, but that is very relevant. Uh, at least in the beginning of your career, you have to understand these things. You have to go to the bottom of the situation. Uh, I'm, I'm a, a very uh, keen follower of the Japanese thought process of Jemba that go to the actual site. So unless you understand what the situation is, probably you may not be uh, in a situation to have a very uh, correct or a very thoughtful decision or an, or the outcome. So you have to understand the things in the right perspective, why someone is saying something or why some action has taken place in that way. Then another thing which I understand is very, very important in today's time is to have a very uh, good interpersonal skill and a very good human relationship bonding kind of thing. So while uh, it becomes important that uh, you should be very transparent in your discussions, dealings, transactions, whatever, but then it is also very important to understand how the other person might react. 
because uh, you see your words are like knives they can cut so you need to be very uh, clear in your mind what words to use when to use it is very important to know when not to speak anything which people actually miss people love to hear their own voice which i think is a misnomer in today's corporate world you should actually know when not to speak and then you should start speaking that okay not for the sake of speaking you should speak in every meeting so probably these are some of the things again difficult to count five things but uh, going to the bottom of the situation understanding what your thought process the impact of your thought process or your decision on other person or understanding two three probable outcomes of your decision uh, thinking before speaking uh, as you said not coming from tech background but learning the things without any inhibition that uh, whom i am learning from not having that kind of inhibition so these are some of the things uh, I, i think are very important and probably now after uh, handling this company after uh, uh, actually sitting in the leadership position i think it is very important to understand that company's money is your money mm-hmm. you cannot just Uh, throw the money so it becomes important and once you are into that thought process that well uh, what my actions can have on my revenue what my actions can have on my bottom line then probably the life becomes much more easier hmm i think uh, i want to understand uh, more about challenges about the obstacles that you have uh, faced in the last many many years and any any personal experiences and stories that you would like to share that have shaped you uh, into this leadership position today well challenges are very many and uh, difficult to quantify them uh, through this uh, discussion but i i would say that one very important learning which i got from couple of my previous companies uh, which would have shaped me in a way and again i am uh, happy to say that having a human angle to entire business perspective is something which i learned from some of my previous companies and that is very important you cannot be a good manager if you are not a good human being that is one uh, very important learning i have and uh, there were uh, many challenges where i could feel that uh, uh, either uh, someone in the company was not being a good human being and that that created concerns or challenges for many people uh, again as i said not uh, not possible to quantify or share those stories right now but yes i think this is one uh, learning from my various companies uh, which which i have seen that any company which has uh, a very loyal workforce which has a very uh, you can say nice brand image in the market or whatever that way the company has to be a human first and a business entity later mm-hmm. i think uh, on that note i want to understand if there are any upcoming projects any upcoming events or anything uh, that ducati has that you would like to highlight today or that to like to highlight for our audiences well bitesh uh, ducati uh, we keep on launching new bikes that's a habit for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. in fact uh, every first working day of the calendar year uh, we mm-hmm. issue a media press note wherein we give the 
probable timelines for all the bikes to be launched that year. This year, in fact, we started something which was for the first time in the industry that we gave tentative prices also. In auto world, uh, the prices are some of the most closely guarded secrets till the launch of the bike or the car. But we gave our riders, our uh, Ducati ST or the prospective Ducati ST uh, a way out in uh, taking their distance in a more informed way. And we gave the prices, tentative prices as well, that these might be the prices of your upcoming uh, uh, bikes. So this is something uh, which we have. So for this year, we still have uh, Multistrada V4 Rally, Panigale V4R, Street Fighter V4 Lamborghini, Diavel V4, and the Scrambler second generation. All these bikes uh, still pending for the launch in this year. So these bikes are there. Then we have a couple of uh, activities and events which shall be pending. And uh, we, are, we all are awaiting the uh, MotoGP Bharat. So that's very important uh, project for us. We all are uh, waiting for the event to happen. And uh, yes, we all are very, very excited about the uh, India the leg of MotoGP. So let's see. And, and do you want to share a Pardon? Do you want to share a little bit more on the MotoGP Bharat piece that's coming up? Um, actually, I cannot share much on that side because uh, we are one of the competitors in MotoGP. Mm-hmm. and not the organizers mm-hmm. so we are also waiting for the right kind of information and input to come to us as and when we get something which we will definitely we, we would love to take part in the MotoGP Bharat let's see we are also waiting for the organizers to all the uh, people to come to us and uh, then discuss how to take take things forward but I'm sure uh, this should happen in India and if it happens we shall definitely be there Yep, yep. Love to see that. I think uh, uh, one last bit that I wanted to understand, people, is that I found it amusing, actually, that that is something that I've experienced myself also, that the fact that is mentioned that prices are, prices are probably one of the most uh, well-guarded uh, stuff in information in the automobile space. Uh, that is something that I have experienced personally as well. I want to understand probably why, uh, what kind of logic goes into it. Uh, I can understand that businesses have their own set of principles and own set of priorities that are well defined over a period of time. But the why would be interesting. Why we gave the prices in the beginning of the year? Is that the question? At the, at the end of uh, during launch at, or just towards the end. And why not uh, reveal prices uh, right in the beginning maybe? Yeah, yeah. See, uh, in today's time, uh, you cannot stop the flow of the information. And what happens, uh, we launch, especially in the case of Ducati or any such MNC, uh, we launch the bikes across the world uh, in very in different markets at different timelines. So usually for India, yeah. I would say there is a gap of about six months from the time of the launch in European market to Indian market. By the time uh, the, informations, the, the, the information definitely flow to the Indian uh, riders, they, they can get all the uh, ride reviews, the bike reviews, everything on the YouTube. They have the access to uh, Ducati sites of various countries wherein we have our prices. So they know uh, what would be the tentative price or what is the price of a bike, let us say, in Italy. And mm-hmm. basis that they can have an idea about the tentative pricing of the same bike in India. 
Mm-hmm. Now the point is, I have two options. Either I can make them keep guessing the price till the end of the launch, or I can give them a much better tentative price, which can allow them to plan their purchase actually in a better way, in a much more informed way, a much more scientific way. So let us say a rider is thinking of buying a bike, and his budget is twenty-five lakh rupees. He has set his sights on certain bike. I uh, he waits uh, for that bike for next six to nine months, and then I launch the bike at let us say thirty lakh rupees. Hmm. Most likely, the rider is going to feel bad that I waited six to nine months for the bike, and now the bike is out of my reach. I wasted my time. So what do we do? We give uh, we try to give a tentative pricing so that the rider can take a much better uh, decision. That will uh, the price is thirty lakh rupee. I know as of today this is uh, probably five lakh rupees beyond my budget, but I love this bike so much that now I have a window of nine months to plan for the additional five lakh rupees. Mm-hmm. So that makes our job slightly easier at the time of the uh, real sales process because then uh, it's not a shock to the prospective rider that I need to shell out five, seven, ten lakh rupees more than whatever I had thought of. Because see what happens, uh, prices are consisting of very many uh, situations, including the R and D input which goes into the bike, the uh, actual material cost, the shipment cost, the inflationary cost. There are so many things into the pricing of a bike. So, uh, if I am saying that the tentative tentative price would be X rupees uh, for the bike which shall be launched, uh, let us say in the month of October. So on first of for second third of january whenever the media uh, report was there uh, we gave the price of the bike which was supposed to be launched by october right so i do not know what exactly the inflation would be by october so what we do we calculated we we gave a tentative price and now it also becomes binding on us to honor those prices even mm-hmm. if let us say the inflation goes I cannot say that now my seventy lakh bike will cost you eighty lakh rupee. So in a way, we are trying to put uh, Ducati also uh, in a way that if we have committed something to our riders, we will stick to that commitment, and we also give a tool to our riders that if you are planning to buy something, then you have a much better data point in available to you. For making or taking your decision, so that at the time of the actual delivery of the bike, there are no rude shocks. So it mm-hmm. works both ways, and I think it has been appreciated very, very well by the uh, riders, the media community, everyone in the industry, because this is something which is definitely not available, and this has helped lot many of them in taking correct decisions. Awesome. I think uh, the last bit that I want to talk about, people, is the EV space, and I want to understand because you have been an automobile veteran. I want to understand how you look at the EV space, uh, and how does also Ducati look at the EV space? The EV space has started booming like crazy. There are a lot of startups. There are a lot of large companies that have started building in EV. How? What's your perspective on it? See, electric vehicles are definitely a very important pillar as of today. None of the companies can ignore EVs, or we cannot say that uh, we will not be into EVs. However, for a company like us, 
Uh, I understand that technology is still not there to be full-fledging into the EV space for a mass consumption. Uh, in fact, Ducati is one of those companies which have actually made uh, electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. So as of today, in the Moto E, we are the single supplier for our for the electric bikes. So you can understand Ducati has definitely made a bike which mm-hmm. is well up and running on the racetrack. But mm-hmm. then, as I said, uh, as I as I love to say that we have more tech per square inch, then it means we have a very lesser square inch available as well for us. And uh, in that very small space, uh, we cannot have very big bulky batteries. As of today, the uh, energy densities of the batteries, they are not as such to support our bigger engines. Mm. Uh, Even if I uh, make an EV for the public uses, Probably the EV, the bike may not run for very uh, huge number of kilometers before the recharging is needed. Then it will take away the fun because when we ride, probably we ride for 100, 200, 500 kilometers in a in a row. And uh, as of today, I don't think, in my view, the battery tech is available as such to support our bigger engines. But I'm mm. sure the way engineers are working uh, within the industry within the auto industry or even outside the auto industry, but within the, let us say, chemistry kind of uh, perspective, I'm sure the good work is being done. And uh, in near future, we shall be having such technology either through batteries or through any other source wherein we can have alternate uh, engines. So as of today, I see engines are our mainstay. As I foresee, they shall be there in the next couple of years. But yes, as, as also I say that we are an engineering company, so we never say no to anything. We are open to all kinds of soft technology, whatever uh, the better way comes to us because uh, we are a very, very responsible company. So we definitely care for our uh, environment. We definitely care for the uh, much touted and the famous carbon footprint. So we keep track of all these things and I'm sure uh, Tukati shall never, never be found wanting on any of these steps. So whatever shall be the best tech available at any given moment of time, Ducati shall definitely love to follow them and make bikes accordingly. I think that's it, Bibul. That's all the time we had. And thank you for making it here. I just want to quickly understand that um, you are very active on Twitter, like you mentioned. Uh, what would be the best way for our no, audience to I'm follow you and reach out Twitter, to you? But I'm definitely very active on LinkedIn. Awesome. It's awesome. So I believe LinkedIn is the best way to reach out to you and follow you. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Google. True. Thanks, Thank Google, for Thanks for the time. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this, it would mean a lot to me if you subscribe and share your thoughts, reviews, and the guests you want. And you should join for brilliant, brilliant networking and participate in the upcoming events and for connecting with the podcast guests. Dubara milte next discussion.